Coming to you live from Austin, Texas, and the Queen City in North Carolina, this is the Good Faith Podcast for the month of, eh, you know what, don't worry about it. We are your source for the news, whether you like it or not. These months, people are losing their ever-loving minds that Crackle Barrel now offers impossible sausages. Charlotte gets a little delivery robot. Team USA wins the soil judging contest at the World Congress of Soil Science. The Federalist wants you to know that, quote, tragedies like the Texas school shooting make a somber case for homeschooling, end quote. Madison Cawthorn loses his primary, and Alex Jones gets absolutely dog-walked in court. Our sponsor this month is the Tobin Stone Manufacturing Corporation, proud producer of artisanal, handmade, dark-branded content. Their CEO, Tobin, joins us today. Tobin, what's your beef with Vale? Well, it's a long one. It starts back in 2017, when Vale Resorts learned that they owned a parcel of land in the town of Vale that they didn't realize they had owned for the last 17 years. Um because they thought the Colorado Department of Transportation owned it. When they found out that they did in fact own it, they started trying to build housing on it, and they got this land rezoned so that they could build employee housing on it, because it's a ski town, and like every ski town in the country, it's facing a housing shortage. In 2019, they started trying to get the, they had a contract with the developer, and they were going through the approval process. And that's when everything went to shit. It starts with, um, NIMBY started coming up with excuses as to why this new employee housing development shouldn't get built. They came up with the most absurd excuse of all time, that it was going to hurt a herd of bighorn sheep. And if you're wondering why it's so absurd, it's probably because there's all kinds of other houses that cost upwards of $8 million dollars right next to where this development would have been. And no one has had any problem with these houses. But anyways, in 2019, Vale starts trying to get, get it started. The NIMBYs try to stop it. Um, and they go so as far as to, um, even though it'd been, it's been approved, and the town council um, overrid um, the design review board's temporary like blocking of it getting built, the NIMBYs just got themselves elected to the town council in 2019, so then they could stop it again. Also, the NIMBYs tried suing Vail Resorts. They lost this lawsuit, thankfully. But then COVID happened, and Vail had to stop building it because construction wasn't happening, and no one knew it was happening, and the NIMBYs thought they won. Fast forward to 2022, I wrote an op-ed in the Colorado Sun, um, mentioning like that ski- the housing crisis in Skiers Art Towns, saying that we should start building more. Vail Resorts, a few, um, about a month later, announced a bunch of new housing initiatives, including that they were going to return to this East Vail development and trying to get it built. And then things went to shit even more. Because upon announcing that, the Vail Town Council decided they were going to go with the nuclear option, and they were going to try to condemn this property that Vail Resorts owns. Now, before I talk about this condemnation process, mind you, their resorts is paying for this entire development out of pocket. $17 million to build 65 units of employee, ho- of employee housing. On their own, like, it's their own money entirely. And, those, er, and the town of Vail is now trying to condemn it and 
um, through eminent domain, which means that they're going to have to pay fair market value for this. And they voted to do this, despite every Vail Resort employee coming out and saying, we need housing, please don't do this. And they voted to condemn it, and they're now going to spend probably close to $30 million to condemn this piece of land, of taxpayer money. Um, it's created a weird dichotomy where labor groups and um, the business groups are all on the same side coming out against these NIMBYs that have stopped housing. Um, it's already been insane because you have even like the town employees that are facing issues with housing. They're looking at the town council going, why are you spending this taxpayer money that could have been go gone to building more housing? Why are you spending it on stopping housing? Like, the only thing you're doing is just giving their resorts, your supposed enemy, more money. And then, just this last week, the Vail Town Council said, you know what, we're just going to make sure you guys can't build at all. And they passed an emergency ordinance um, blocking any new permits on this piece of um, or on this piece of land in East Vail. And the East Vail development is officially dead, along with the town of Vail, basically, because nothing's ever going to get built. And that's the basic summation. How long does that blocking ordinance last for? I have not looked at it in detail, but I can pull just, it up. Just forever? I'm just guessing for it's just forever. Um, knowing the town of Vale. And what I found crazy about this was the condemnation. It was only four of the town council members voted for it. Um, three of them voted against it. Partially, some, like, some of them were just like, hey, this seems like a little bit too far, and it's going to really piss off the business community and scare them because any other business that wants to build housing now, they're scared that they're going to lose their land. Um, but then this emergency ordinance passed six to one, which means when I thought there were three YIMBY-aligned people on the board, apparently there was only one. So that's fun to know. So maybe you can help me out with this, Tobin. What's the whole issue with the bighorn sheep? Like, why did the bighorn sheep take up such a centerpiece of this uh, fight over this development. So to my understanding, they, the NIMBYs were looking for an excuse to say no, and some of them were just using classic NIMBY lines like, oh, it's going to um, alter Vale forever. It's going to change neighborhood character. Things like that. But the other ones that don't want to appear like they're NIMBYs had to find a different excuse. They want to go, oh, we want affordable housing, just not here because of the bighorn sheep. And they paid for their own environmental studies because there is a big um, a herd of bighorn sheep there, which has been dying off. But it's not because of housing, by the way. It's because of cars just killing the sheep. And housing isn't going to really change cars hitting sheep. It's been dying for years beforehand already. Well, they're also a critter you can get a tag for to kill oh, as well. Oh, yeah, that's another th fun thing. There was one um, NIMBY that wrote an op-ed or not, not, but I think it was just a letter in the Vail um, Daily talking about how we shouldn't build this piece of housing because they need to be able to hunt the bighorn sheep. And in order to do that, they need to save the herd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if there's no point in, uh, you know, displacing these sheep and whatnot, you know, then what are you going to hunt? So has this been a problem for Vale going back? longer than 
say this development because I think a lot of people would characterize it goes back vale. to the seventies. Yeah, a lot of people would characterize Vale as a very expensive ski resort. Yeah, you can look at. Are um, there cheap ski resorts? Yes, yeah, technically, you can go ski on the cheap. Pennsylvania has ski resorts. I don't know if they're good. <laughs> Fair enough. Wasn't there an emir in the UAE who wanted to build an indoor ski resort? Uh, that got built. Oh, it did get built. Oh, okay. Sure. Oh, conspicuous. You know what? I'm going to look it up. Okay. Well, now we have another yeah. talking point of conversation there. So in 1979, I pulled this up. You can find articles about employee housing. I'm talking about a shortage of employee housing in Vail. And where is it? It goes back to the whole philosophy that if you don't build it, they won't come. Yes. And they ah, came anyway, and now it's very expensive to live in Vail. The old newspaper, the Vail Trail, you can find um, employee housing being criticized by the town council in 1977. Which, you know... There, um, an exact quote from the former mayor, the council is not against employee housing, but we are equally concerned about aesthetics. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it goes back decades. It's been a problem for ages, which isn't surprising. You're going to have more expensive housing in a ski resort no matter what, because it's a tourist location. That's to be expected. But you should still have some form of housing available for the employees. But Vail has, the Vail um, Town Council has said, no, that doesn't matter. So I guess the, the, the question that I have coming out of this is that we Morgan and I both know Tobin personally, and I guess Tobin, I just have to ask, why Vale? Because this happens in a lot of places I've, across America, where the housing crisis and housing shortage uh, is pushing up prices, and there's a lot of movements to reform zoning laws and building codes to allow for more housing, and there's pushback from uh, neighborhoods and you know anti-development people and all these other characterizations, but why should we be concerned about Vail? What, what, why should I be concerned about a ski resort in Colorado that I probably will never be able to afford? Cause it is very expensive to ski there. I think because it's a place where it's inherent, it's a place where NIMBYs are inherently going to gather. It's where a lot of the NIMBY arguments that you see elsewhere originate. So like the environment ones, we saw the Vail town council, um, or not the Vale Town Council, but we saw the Vale Nembies um, saying, oh, we don't want to build this housing because of the bighorn sheep. And then a couple of years later, you saw in California, I forget the name of the town, but that the blocked housing because of mountain lions. I can almost guarantee you they got that idea from the town of Vale. Interesting. That was like, that was like last year. Yeah. Um, they got that idea from the Vale Nimbies more than likely, saying, hey, we can just use this environmental thing, but specifically of animals, to say, hey, we shouldn't build housing because they're endangered. Thankfully, in California, the Attorney General said that's not a legitimate reason, but we don't have that in Colorado. I've got a quick little... I got results here for your indoor skiing, Carl. Okay. Um, there are... 113 in the world. Okay. The first one was built in Berlin in 1926. Okay. Uh, they're on six of a set, seven continents. There's one plan for Dallas, of all places. 
it sounds like a Dallas thing, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and there's there's four in the states, and you were correct. Yet in Dubai, it's called Ski Dubai, and very straightforward. Fi- yeah, I mean, you know, just in case you forget where you are. Yes. Uh, but yeah, they've got five ski runs and a little sledding park, and it's a thing. It got built. It's there. You can go. It got built in Dubai. Where, of course, yeah. it's famous for snowing year-round. The stat I saw was the summer highs are in the 70s. Really? The summer low. Summer low. Uh, not summer. Uh, the uh, Wow, that's way wrong. No, that's way, way, way wrong. Not summer. God almighty. Well, I mean, maybe Win- indoors winter, they, they, they mimic the summer highs of 70. It was, it was winter lows of 70. Okay. Very hot. So, like here. Yeah. <laughs> a little roasty toasty so a little little roasty toasty wow so what's next tobin for vale vale resorts do i need to go and buy a ski pass now to support their housing development project do i need to go kill every bighorn sheep and hold them hostage until a house is built in vale like what's what's the strategy here for going forward Vale Resorts is still working on other developments because one of the arguments we heard during why um, the most recent set of like meetings as to from NIMBY saying why we shouldn't build this development was like, you guys have all these other locations. And the arguments that Vale Resorts was making in addition to me and some of the business was saying, no, we can't just build in one of these locations. We need to build everywhere. So they have some other housing developments that are in progress. The East Vale development was just the one that would have been completed the soonest. Um, so they're going to continue forward with that. One of the nice things is that it's come out of all this is in the past few months, we've seen their resorts basically become a very yimpy company and they're a $12 billion company that operates all around the world. And you've seen them like they're just their Twitter accounts is posting articles from Yimbies. They're saying, Hey, let's build housing. We're celebrating this housing development in this other ski resorts and um, in Utah, and this one in Montana. And they're starting to become pretty Yimby. And I think that's, for the Yimby movement itself, it's going to be great to see companies starting to come on board other than the tech industry in San Francisco. We're seeing these companies saying, hey, the housing crisis is causing problems for us too, because we need employees and they can't live here. Yeah, who's going to uh, staff all the ski slopes when I need to uh get a ride up on that lift who's going to push the button who's going to you know turn over my room you know that that you know that actual services that you would expect from a resort or any other thing and it's not just the resort itself it's there are other people who also live in Vale who can't own an eight million dollar house and I guess pay whatever associated property taxes are with that and they run small businesses and restaurants property taxes are next to nothing oh I'm I'm sorry you live in an advanced state where property taxes are nothing. <laughs> if you come down here, it's like our number one funding source. I'm glad I don't have to pay, but oh my goodness. So actually I actually have a story about that. Not to not to diverge away from Vale, that's good. Um I have a relative who lives out in the center of the state. Uh property taxes, of course, are the main source of revenue here in the state of Texas. But uh, he was thinking that, hey, I can skip out on paying some of my property taxes to the city and the county if I just don't tell them that I built this new addition to my house. And the way he did it is that he built it under this completely uh, shaded part of trees 
And his argument was that from the air and from the surveillance drones, they won't be able to see the addition to his house, so he won't have to declare it on his property taxes. That worked for two years until the county, uh, you know, the county assessor came by and did what any person who's on uh, on foot would and walk inside the property and was like, "Hey, there's an addition to your house. When was it built? It was built two years ago. You owe us those two years of property taxes." And a fine. So now he owes like two and a half times what he would have paid had he just declared it. <sighs> God bless entrepreneurship. And so what you're telling me is it worked. Yeah. It, it worked for two years and then he got caught. Well, it's a good run. So I'm wondering if Vale Resorts just builds an entire subdivision and just doesn't tell anyone about it, and then they just Houdini it. It's like, surprise, it's built. Well, if you build pre-manufactured housing, you just have to figure out how to get in get in there overnight. It's just like a covert operation. No, bring it down the ski lifts like a Bond film. <laughs> or the world's quietest flatbeds. <laughs> the world's quietest flatbeds. Yes, we have this new technology. It's called Stealth Diesel. There you go. Well, that was entertaining. Uh, anything else on Vail? So why, why, why in particular is Vail... Why are you so connected to Vail, Tobin? It's the place where I grew up oh. until my family left a few years ago. Okay. So um, it has... Because housing was too expensive and government employees don't get paid enough. See, there you go. So there, there's, there's personal connection, and we appreciate personal connection rants on here. All right. Morgan, do you have other questions about Vale? Because I'm. That was a lot. I just want to know when I can go out there to shoot some of these here bighorn sheep. I mean, if they can't complain about them anymore, if they're gone. That is true. I, look, I'm all, only, you know, if I have a tag for one, one is all it is. But, you know, they're there. It's apparently the thing to do. They're special sheep. Clearly, what makes Vale special and not the. World famous ski resort. No, who who goes to Vale to ski? It's, it's all about the bighorn sheep. I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question, Carl. It's the people who are too poor to go to Aspen. I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Well, looking at it though, I, and I, I swear I pulled this up. The people that go to Aspen just live in Aspen. People in Aspen just You're live right. in Aspen. If really, I don't know anything about skiing because it terrifies me. So the thing that I have been in. That I've been told is that there is a list of the most expensive ski resorts in the world and like places to ski. It, it was done on some sort of per capita metric of like base cost, lift price, hotel stay. There are a couple of different, different metrics. And supposedly, according to this index, Vail is the second most expensive place to ski in the entire world. After my personal favorite Bond location, Gestatt, Switzerland. Wow. It is incredibly expensive to ski in Vail. And so this brings me to my point where I wanted to talk about my friend who, God bless his heart. I'm going to change names to protect the, in the innocent. So my longtime college friend, Evan, I love mm -hmm. him a lot. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. We, both, we share the same birthday. <laughs> It was a coinky dink that it that just so happened. He says that he's older than me, but in fact, I was born several hours before he was. So I lured that over him. Anyway, he lives with a bunch of flatmates, 
It, and one of his flatmates apparently was a uh, a semi-professional snowboarder or like he was training to go pro. And so he had supposedly a discount to go to the Vail Resorts because he would used to go up in a snowboard in Colorado. And so his friends all got together and they're like, hey, wh- we want to go skiing. Why don't we go to this place that we've all heard of? We all have heard of Vail. Now, mind of you, the four of them are living in one flat because they are broke. So when he informed our friend group that he's going to go to Vail, we're like, okay, you must have saved up a whole lot of money. And he says, what? And we're saying, yes, it's very expensive to go to Vail. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And we're like, okay. So get he gets there. Get some text messages back from him. First text message back was, wow, it's really expensive here. And it was like, <laughs> no, duh. We told you. It's like, it's the second most expensive place to ski after Switzerland. <laughs> Follows this up with a picture of like two wimpy pieces of French toast and one slice of bacon. And he said, this cost $15. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, turns out it gets better. That snowboarder, the snowboarder flatmate who they have, it's not like a pass. It's just a f- discount. So they're still paying per lift. Or, you know, they're still paying a pass per day. And, you know, those those uh, those prices per day, I'm sure Tobin can quote them. But it's like, that's not cheap. They're probably upwards of 200s these days. Yeah, they were not cheap. They could afford the ride on the bunny slope and then one, like, the small <laughs> hill. And that's it. They had originally booked this for four days. <laughs> that was all they could do there. <laughs> so then then he, he and his friends were like, so Vale was expensive. I guess we're going to go up to like Idaho or Montana next. And I'm like, that's also really expensive. <laughs> Those are really expensive places to ski. You have to Google this stuff first. <laughs> and they didn't. And I'm sorry, it's just so great. But that's my Vail story, and I'm sticking to it. Evan, please, for the love of God, if you and your flatmates ever decide to travel again, please do a Google search first. I am begging you. I really hope that his name is actually Evan, and you just misdirected us at the beginning of that story. No, I definitely know it's not Evan. (laughs) Fair enough. That will do it for Vail. Vail I think it will. Yes. Yeah, probably, generally. Uh, goodbye, Vale. Yeah. Carl, I have seen the most... I mean, had the adjective. It's not outrageous. It's not preposterous. It's just downright peculiar video on Twitter yesterday. So CPAC is going on up in Milwaukee, I do believe. And they had... Uh, an exhibit, a, a live performance art piece, uh, something that these sort of people would normally deride as, you know, some overdramatic uh, liberal arts university uh, student project. It is a man sitting in a cage, ostensibly a prison cell, in an orange jumpsuit and a MAGA hat, crying constantly for an hour. 
people surrounded this cage. They took videos and pictures. I'm pretty sure Marjorie Taylor Greene went and like talked to the guy. Uh, people said the Lord's Prayer, like the whole group of them around the cage. And just bewildering performance art. But it, it does, there's an interesting little twist to this. The guy who's a crisis actor, as it were, is Brandon Straka. I don't care if I'm saying that right or not. So he was uh, on, he was due to get a lot of prison time and whatever else for his involvement in the whole January 6th insurrection. But um, he, his own attorneys described his cooperation with investigators as substantial and he has not served a single day so here's the guy, all these MAGA people are at CPAC, they're all fired up, they all want Trump back, and they're marveling at this performance from a guy that they don't know ratted out his co-conspirators to save his own skin. I, it's delightful. I, Absolutely delightful. I, this... It really is performance art that a liberal arts university that I think CPAC would disagree with is the kind of performance show that was put on. That's mm -hmm. I, how is that one of the craziest things that has happened in like this, the several months we were gone? The, the world is full of wonder, you know, I, the world is full of wonder and entertainment and bewilderment. I, wow. Um, do you think he's getting paid? Uh, well, in the picture uh, where uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is kneeling and talking with him, there's a $10 bill on the ground. So people are probably throwing money at him, like tips. Like an animal at a zoo. You throw money at animals at zoos? I, I don't know. Do people do that? What's an animal going to do with like 10 bucks? I use it to purchase goods and services. <laughs> All right, Homer Simpson. I don't know. I, for, despite my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Oh, oh, damn. Oh no, no one's made that connection that I've seen. Yeah, there you go. Well, you better get on it before I get the edits for this done. Oh god, well, yeah. What edits? You threatened me with a good time. <laughs> oh, by so the way, yep. welcome back, everybody. I we're, know, we're, back, we're, baby! we're 27 minutes in and we didn't even acknowledge the fact that we took just a break don't worry about it don't worry oh, about it nobody nobody would have noticed they would have been so overcome with joy and gratitude and us talking about CPAC writing out checks <laughs> and honestly that's i always forget that cpac is happening it feels like it's happening every couple months i know there's like regional events and whatnot but I just sort of the the vibe I get off of it is that it's a constant performance conference of just people showing up to talk. Well, yeah, there was a there was a whole bunch of that, um, and it's not just American quote unquote conservatives. I believe that oh, there no. have been some foreign, you know, like foreign dignitaries, if you can call them that, who've been there as well. Like I think, oh, like think, like uh, Victor Orban. Yeah, Viktor Orban. I think the Prime Who, Minister of Hungary has spoken at CPAC before. That was this one 
he was at this one, the same one with he the man crying one. in the cage. Yes, because it was a whole to do because Orban had given this speech back in Hungary that one of his like closest advisors quit because he said it sounded too much like a Hitler speech. Uh, it was very much like Hungarians won't marry, like are like shouldn't marry non-Hungarians and yada 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 yada. Oh, that sounds like yeah. a problem. And that happened eh, a couple weeks before, um, before CPAC. And they still invited him anyway. I mean, what, like, do you think they have a problem with that sort of thing? Listen. I think actions speak louder than words. And so that he was invited to CPAC after that. Stayed on, stayed on the docket. Uh, my lieutenant governor went. The very, oh. very, very it, Mark Robinson, very pro-life, very um, speaking out event of people that want to outlaw abortion. And Mark Robinson is a man that has paid for one. Uh-oh. Mm, mm, uh-oh. Whoop. Ha- hasn't, hasn't affected him at all. He still remains a threat. When I say a threat, I mean because if Roy Cooper, the governor, leaves the state, Mark Robinson becomes acting governor. So Roy Cooper's kind of just like locked in a box for his entire tenure? Pretty much. Yeah. If he leaves the state, then the Republicans can, they have, there's no veto standing in their way. And oh, they'll just well, convene a session, drive up to Raleigh, and ram all their crap through. I imagine that there's a bunch of, and again, Maybe this characterization won't work because I don't live in North Carolina, so I don't know North Carolina politics as well. But I imagine that there's like a, a, a just a slew of of GOP aligned representatives in the North Carolina legislature who have like the little box that has let's say like I don't know a cookie inside of it. You know the box closes when you when you pull the you pull the string. They're just setting it on the state border, like huh 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 cookie cookie governor cookie governor. Yeah, you gonna take it? You gonna take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Roy's just like, no. <laughs> he good old Roy Cooper. He spoke at some event, some manufacturing thing on the coast, and the stage was not a stage. They had a podium, just like on the grass, nice. some folding chairs, and for shade, it was two ten by ten pop up tents. Okay. This is a man who's governor of a state that's the second that does uh, like the second largest financial. Uh, uh, city after New York. <laughs> Two really? 10 by 10 pop-up tents. Yeah, Charlotte, man. Okay, well, that makes sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Tobin, are there any crazy people? No, wait. There are crazy people who go to see in, in, in Colorado, there are no, there are no crazy conservative people. Uh, oh, yeah. Sure, no crazy people at all. <laughs> Just ignore. <laughs> isn't uh, Lord Bobert is from Colorado, isn't she? Ah, uh, yes, the yeah. food poisoning queen herself. Ron Hanks, who um, was at the insurrection and ran for governor. Oh. Um, Did he win? The guy that, what, another guy was, that was another state representative that was also at the insurrection, I believe, and ran against, what's his name? Shoot. Another Colorado representative. Um, who already was oh Ken Buck Ken Buck who's already like one of the most conservative members of Congress this guy was trying to primary him from the right yikes yikes bro yeah we got our fisher of crazies yeah so I don't think we've ever explained on the podcast the the food poisoning controversy that that Bobert is apparently involved with so like what 
What is that about? What's That's... there to explain? She had she had a restaurant that was gun themed, and people got food poisoning. I don't. No, this was at a food truck event though, or something. It was like at a rodeo, I believe. Uh, oh, this is even better. Okay, please yeah. take it away, Tobin. You you know <laughs> probably know about Lauren Bobert. I can't yeah. remember the full details, but they were serving like pulled pork sandwiches and some other stuff at a. Um, I believe it was the um, rifle rodeo or something like that. Um, and didn't follow food safety procedure, which shouldn't be that hard, even at like a, an event with a food truck, because if you have pulled pork that's already pre-made, you just have to keep it hot enough that all the bacteria is killed. But they didn't do that. And then they gave, I believe, around like 60 people diarrhea in the span of a day, which is really impressive, I have to say. Like... Because it's really hard to, like, food safety is one of those things where if you just follow basic procedure, like, really basic stuff, you shouldn't get people that sick. But she still managed to get 60 people sick. And it, it, is her husband also part of the food truck thing? I'm guessing he's worked with the restaurant a bit. I don't know how much. Okay, yeah, the guy who, like, whipped his dick out of a bunch of un underage girls at a bowling alley. What? Yep. What? Yeah, yeah, it... Hey, get right. this, get this, get this, Carl. Carl, gets better, gets better. This is before he was married to, to Bobert, and she was there when it happened. She went, I'll have that, please. Uh, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> How do you not know this? I didn't. I Listen, I am deep in the internet. I am not that deep. You need to work less and be on Twitter more. Uh... Yeah, Bober has some interesting stories. I'm sure she was at CPAC. Oh, got to be. Has to be. It has to have been at CPAC. The, these are the brightest minds that CPAC has to offer, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, that's a lot. We're gonna wrap up. We're gonna wrap up CPAC in a cage. Anything, anything yeah, else no, exciting they, at CPAC that you can think? That's of? that's pretty much it. it that and uh, Orban talking like a Nazi. Like, yeah, whatever. I still can't believe the that Orban showed up. I wasn't expecting him to. He was invited. What else is he gonna do? Run a I country? heard he got invited. <laughs> I heard he got invited, but I thought it was just like a stunt inviting him. I didn't think he would actually show up. Nah, come on, man. He's 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 pals with old uh, Tucky C out there on the Fox News Channel. Oh, the heir to the frozen fish fortune. The very same. The very same heir to the frozen to the frozen fish fortune, who's just like you and me. Yeah, Orban's been on Fox a good number of times, I think, because he sort of echoes. He's doing what, uh, espousing what Republicans want to do here. So, so ain't so, no big thing. There you go. Uh, let's see. Orban described the European Parliament and the federal government in Washington as two fronts in the battle being fought for Western civilization. Oh, he's uh, also like an anti-Semite as well, I believe. Orban called on CPAC attendees and the far right in Europe to forge a global movement. We should unite our forces to take back Washington and Brussels. Oh, I love sure, this. Dan. On Friday, Senator Ted Cruz laying on a thick Texas accent. It's not a thick Texas accent. <laughs> uh, Power-hungry, abusive, totalitarian nitwits of the Biden administration and democratically controlled Congress 
He likened his service in the Senate to that of a gladiator. Yeah, a gladiator who go just goes off to Cancun at the first sign of the temperature being too low. Fight smarter, not harder. Carl, read that back to me. Read that Ted Cruz quote back to me again, but this time with more uh, okay. thick Texas accent. Uh, oh, I can't. I can't do a Ted Cruz accent. Just do. Just do a Texas one. Just just dream up your best. Spurs, Spurs, jingle jangling, and you know that you know that you know Morgan that Methodist primary school beat my accent out of me. (laughs) Come on, thank you, mom and dad. I know, I, I, I know, I, I got, I started getting the accent, and you, you did what you could do any other way. You got a teacher with a very heavy ruler. I tried to save you, man. Mm. Well, there you go. I'll get you one of these days. Um, he also said, as they say in the military world uh, of his Democratic colleagues, it's a target-rich environment. Woo! Woo! Was that uh, a CPAC? Yep. This is all CPAC, baby. Gee, Lord. Uh, Pizzagate, per- whoever the Pizzagate guy is, also spoke. No, um, you're not narrowing it down. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack. Jack, whatever his name is, Jack. Pro- oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Proboscis, whatever his last name is. <laughs> Proboscis. Posobiec. I don't know. Posobic. I, 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 like you said, I'm not interested in pronouncing these people's names correctly. Yeah, yeah. don't have to. Uh, Matt Schlapp. Apparently, Senator Rick, Rick Scott, who, who is, I think, the closest incarnation of a supervillain in Congress. Uh, well, it's also something interesting speech well rick scott is the one of the senators for wisconsin which milwaukee's in wisconsin right uh i think so but rick scott is from florida is he who am i remember he he's the bald guy who kind of looks like lex luther ron johnson ron johnson is the other guy yes no scott walker is michigan no scott walker is is no scott walker is wisconsin i thought he was the governor that fucked up flint no that's snyder Oh my god! Oh my god! There's so many people screaming right now. <laughs> oh my god! See, see, Morgan, this is what happens when you don't follow Twitter, and we don't record every single month. There's too much in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, this um, has been this has been misremembering politicians with Morgan. Thank yeah, you for joining. There you go. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. All right, what's next up? What's next up on this list that we got here? I wanna, I wanna dive in just a touch. Just we're gonna touch on it here, um, and it's the rapidly growing phenomenon of dark Brandon. Okay, this one is going to have to be explained to me just a little bit. But if I think at the end of the day, if I understand it correctly, it's. Everyone making Joe Biden seem cooler than he probably is. The, the people to blame for this ostensibly are the Onion staff. Really? When they, when they did, when they did uh, Diamond Joe washes, you know his, uh, like his uh, his Trans Am in the White House driveway shirtless piece, and kicked off all the whole Uncle Diamond Joe being cool as hell. It uh, that's where that's it's got to be where it's from. Okay, because well, they're we, like, oh, know, I think we know where the Brandon thing comes from, which is from, wasn't it? 
because originally it was like a conservative joke about a commentator at a NASCAR NASCAR, NASCAR there's rally. A, there's there was some driver named Brandon, and the way the uh, interviewer announcer said his name, it sounded like Biden. And so conservatives, they want to feel cleverer than they really are, and they're apparently above swearing. Um, or they, they're, they could talk about murdering politicians all day, but what they will not do is say "fuck Joe Biden." They'll say, "Let's go, Brandon." Yeah. As a, everyone knows what we're talking about. We're effectively saying it. We're not fooling anybody. But hey, we could feel better about it. It's yeah. an in joke, right? It's an in joke that it basically equivocally it, it, it equivocates and you know it is equivalent to. Brandon is Biden. Yeah. That driver also is... Did he get dropped? He's not been performing terribly well this year. I'll have Fun to check. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I remember reading about it, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah but that have... is gospel truth. Yeah. That's something... He's not great. There you go. So, this is essentially a... Tobin, you can't yawn on us. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh... No, I, I've had coffee. No, I was just bringing you in here because you are a purveyor of everything's dark, Brandon. That's true. And so essentially, if I understand this properly, it's that Joe Biden has been winning so much that we should actually consider this the revival of his presidency in a darker, cooler form known as dark Brandon. It started with that one tweet like back at the beginning of July where he just like, tweeted out saying oil companies need to bring their prices down and everyone was like making fun of it for a few days because like like on the econ side of twitter saying oh we know that won't do anything and then like three days later gas prices started to fall yep we're on like day 54 (laughs) of constant average price falling yeah and everyone started going whoa he actually did it the tweet worked just as a joke and then it it just spiraled from there Absolutely. Incredible. Up until like a few weeks ago, not a few weeks ago, this week where it really exploded. Yeah, because I think if I remember correctly, gas prices, retail gas prices peaked in June at like $5.03 uh, $5. a gallon or so. And it's just been falling consistently in July and August because he released that tweet sometime in June, right? It was, it was June-ish. He's like, I think... Or July 2nd, yeah, somewhere in there. And then it's just, oh, gas prices are falling now. Whoops. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like Joe Biden cutting someone named child poverty in half. <laughs> it's exactly like that. It is exactly like that. But yeah, let's see. The retail pl- price of gasoline, there's various different metrics. Uh, it did peak in June, you know, like I, like I was saying about a little over $5. And as of, let's see, the week of August 1st, the it's gone down. It's been about, the average price has fallen about 70 cents. Apparently yeah. there are places here in Austin where it is it is under th- uh, $4. And there's some places where apparently they're selling it for $2.99. I need to find Woo! where the places are. So, Dark Brandon Rises. And you know, you can tell that, and this is an assertion, it may not be true, that Biden is aware of the meme. You think he's aware of the meme? 
So it was Ron Klain's on Twitter. It was it was so. yesterday. Well, there's there's Ron Klain, his chief of staff, Twitter posting um, like a hero. And but at the some there was some announcement Biden made yesterday at the White House. I think it was about the I, uh, the the infrastructure act going through, or the reconciliation bill like going forward. And he did the sunglasses like. You know, pull you know, just just like the just like some of the memes, man. Just he's got the aviators out because he is killing it these days. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh no! Oh no! I I love the fact that like one of the signature pieces of Biden's legislation is called the IRA. Like it's called the like it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, and yeah. it's its whole point. It, like they could have picked any moniker they wanted to to make it. It's like you know the the petting safe puppies act or the you know the I'm going to give everyone a, a a clean climate act or you know whatever. But the fact that they decided to call it the IRA and of course for, for, a, for a guy who's uh, likes to joke around that he's like super Irish. Yes, yeah. there was a, I, I'm sure you saw this, but it was very early on and either it was the campaign or very early in his presidency where the BBC was trying to get close to him and they were trying to ask him some questions. He looks at them and he goes, oh, BBC? BBC. Great, I'm Irish. And just walks off. It was just, it was, it was a pro move. Uh, but the fact that the, that, you know, if this reconciliation bill passes and who knows, like, a meteor could strike the Capitol building tomorrow for all I know. And uh, Christian cinema may decide that, you know, meteors it are the could do it. To, if it does it tomorrow, it's fine. They're voting on it tonight. Oh, really? Okay. They're doing the Votorama. So it is Saturday, August 6th, two twenty in the afternoon here on God's coast, the East coast. And uh, they are doing the Votorama and all these amendments. What music do you think they play during the Votorama? Dude, <sighs> it's good because Votorama is too fun of a name to not have catchy music playing. Oh, I would just cycle. Th- I would just call up the WWE and be like, I need your intro song playlists. <laughs> so like every senator gets a walk up song when they go cast their vote. Considering the median age of our senators, I want to say it's something like the Macarena. Oh, Frank Miller Band. They're old. Okay, Frank Miller Band. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, not like Glenn speed. Miller in the mood? Did I say Frank Miller? Oh, yes. No, 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 no. You said Frank Miller, which, yeah, Frank Miller would work too, but I was going even further. I meant, I meant, I meant uh, Glenn Miller. Okay. Big band fame. Yep. We're, yep. we're doing it again. No, it's okay. It's like politicians are the, sa- are the same as, you know, jazz musicians. It's all about the hands. For those of you who are listening to a podcast, I just waved my hands in a jazz hands format. In fact, this is a podcast. There, there's no, there's no video component. What are you looking? What are you staring at your phone for? I think you can. The service does let you record video. Nah. And we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Oh man! So, have we talked about Dark Brandon? Well, uh, hold on. There's more memes coming though. Yeah, Tobin's Tobin's cranking them out. Okay, so I haven't started any today, but I'll pre- I might. We'll see. It's still that. early because you you made a <laughs> you made a meme which was very interesting. Which 
apparently Biden as a supervillain is quite good because he has a beard and he has a eye patch. Wait, that wasn't meant to be Biden as a supervillain. It was a recreation of the Dark Knight Rises poster. Really? Wait, the Dark Knight Rises does he does he have an, an eye patch in that poster? No, okay. we just put an eye patch on Biden because it's part of the that's part of the persona, man. It's part of that persona. cool. Oh, yeah. you're, you're uh, it's it's antihero territory is what I meant, right? It's more yeah. But I mean, there are cool villains. Like everyone loves a good villain too. But I think for for people of our political persuasion, we would call him an antihero. There was there was a, a Ted Cruz actually released a tweet today, which I saw, which was talking about how in the new uh, Inflation Reduction Act about the IRS hiring all these new IRS agents and like you know in yeah the shadow army is going to come out and it's like stop. You're ma- why it's you- feeding my content machine. You're feeding this content machine. Why are you making Joe Biden so cool? <laughs> a shadow army of IRS agents, which just sounds great. Got to fund the tax police. Uh, are we are we out of dark Brandon territory, uh, Morgan? That about covers it. It's really difficult to talk about something visual. Yeah, um, to go 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 look it up. Go, go go tweet hey, you go, you yeah you go look it up use the Google machine would you yeah go 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 use the the Google machine or the or the tweet source and then just search Dark Brandon you'll probably find Tobin's tweet use uh use use Ooh. promo code use promo code frogpod on google.com in order to get free Google searches to find this content and all we'll do is we'll take all of your data and sell it to a third party it's fine. Yeah, no. Gotta make, gotta make coins somehow. Yep, gotta hire new crisis actors for CPAC. <sighs> gotta, gotta make up for all my losses on Stablecoin. Oh goodness, <sighs> USD coin. Which one was it? It was so the big one was Terra. Okay. Yeah, uh, that happened in May. So I actually pulled up while we were talking about Dark Brandon. I pulled up an article from Bloomberg, which was about. How sixty billion dollars in Terra coins went up in algorithmic smoke, <laughs> and it was uh, published May twentieth, twenty twenty two, and it, it goes into detail about what stablecoin is, which is the big, which was the big thing about uh, uh, to do in cryptocurrency, in addition to all the other cryptocurrencies out there. Because if I was up to look up the price of Bitcoin right now, so. One of the things that happened while we were gone, in addition to, you know, invasion of Ukraine, billion other sex scandals, people losing primaries, uh, was that cryptocurrencies crashed and then a whole bunch of NFTs also got stolen. But who cares about NFTs anymore? Cryptocurrency prices crashed in mid-May, probably as a sign of higher inflation and lower stock prices. But if I was to look up, say, Bitcoin, for example, which I'm going to try to type uh, very, very softly. $23,000, because I looked it up yesterday. Oh, yeah, $23,000. When it when it's a year to date, its high was just at about, let's see, 47000 Oh, no. In, um, in November, it peaked at 67000 of Bitcoin. It's only down, what? 30%? That's fine. It's whatever. Well, in the last year, yeah, in the, in the last year, <laughs> it's down about 46%. Yeah, don't worry about so, it. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. 
So Bitcoin, Bitcoin crashed, a whole bunch of other cryptocurrencies crashed. All the crypto people are telling us that things are still great. But the thing that really happened was there were the things called stable coins. And apparently that let all hell loose in the cryptocurrency market. So what is a stable coin is the title of this section of the article. Which hey, Carl. I'm going Carl. to read. Carl. <laughs> Carl. What? What? What's a stable coin? Uh, yeah. You know what? I am so glad you asked, Morgan. <laughs> and this article apparently answers it for me. So... It's a cryptocurrency designed to hold a steady value in, in contrast to those cryptocurrencies with volatility like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And the crypto, the stable coins, the way that they maintain their value or they maintain a steady value is that they, um, let's see, they allow other crypto owners to conduct transactions without having to take volatility into account and they're a safe haven for holding. So you can swap out stable coins for other crypto coins and they have a state, they have a stable value that you can trade for. Like if you want to trade Bitcoin to stable coin to Ethereum, if there's a stable value link between the, those three, and the way that they hold their value is that these cryptocurrencies are pegged to a real currency. So both te so Tether and Terra because you mentioned Tether, uh, they were designed to be pegged to the U.S. dollar, kind of like how you know, like a, a country like say Costa Rica, uh, uses U.S. dollars, or like how Argentina back in the day pegged its dollar to the American dollar. Doesn't China of, still do this? Uh, China supposedly does this. Uh, gotcha. There's, there's some allegations that they artificially. Um, uh, their currency is artificially devalued versus the U.S. dollar to make their exports more competitive. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you remember, back in 2012, the hotness was to label China a currency manipulator. Oh, yes. Yeah, because there was this whole thing that they were getting an unfair advantage because they were holding the, uh, the their value of their currency down. So these, so, but it's crypto. And of course, I find this ironic these stable coins, because the whole thing is that we're going to move beyond traditional fiat currency and go to a, an all digital world. And it's going to be so great. And then you have to use these, which are pegged to, to, you know, fiat currencies that you hate, but you know what, that philosophical twinge aside. Uh, so they maintain their peg to these, to the, you know, like the dollar in a number of different ways. And they usually have a reserve of cash or cash equivalents, almost like a central bank at that point, where they sort of have these other assets that they can trade or sell for dollars. Uh, and then there's also a user pays uh, any of these places like Tether, for example, or Terra, a dollar for a token. And that money is supposed to be held in a bank that these stable coins own. And... There's others that use like a reserve of cryptocurrencies, which is also hilarious, but you know, Jesus. they over collateralize holding reserves larger than the face value of their coins to compensate for their volatility. So what is an algorithmic stable coin? Apparently this is its own separate thing, which is what got Terra into trouble. So it's supposed to maintain stable value of these coins by automatically Increasing or decreasing the supply. Which, you know, is exactly what a central bank does. Yeah, but this is the central bank 
on the blockchain. On the blockchain. Yeah. Uh, Just slap a blockchain on it. The idea was to create a fully decentralized currency, not ultimately backed by a centralized issuer asset like the U.S. government was its claim. Uh Uh-huh. So it was algorithmic, so it's supposed to do automatic adjustments. So these blockchains can contain smart contracts, which is an actual development that code that operates automatically in specified circumstances. So what they do is that these algorithms can automatically create more units or destroy existing units. Wouldn't it suck if you if you had some of the existing units and they got destroyed? I don't know how stable currencies stable coins work because I haven't bought any of them. But just imagine you had five and all of a sudden, poof, you have two because my algorithm determined that you're holding five and you should be holding two. I'd be sad. But I'm so glad I don't put my money into fake stuff like that and I just put it all into NFTs instead. Anyway, so let's see. So that that regulates the stable coin's value. If it's algorithmic, it it makes sure that that's how it keeps it's pegged to the US dollar. Uh, So let's see. There is a... uh, so there were swaps, you know, you would swap currencies in order to keep that currency peg stable. Uh, Terra USD was linked to a sister token, Luna, which was also another one of these things that got spun into the news at the time when, of course, the crypto market crashed. The great crypto crash of 2022. God bless uh, it. Yeah, I know. There you go. There was arbitrage incentives for traders that were designed to keep the value at or as close to one. Essentially, because it had these two different forms, and you could uh, swap them, and there and if there was a value difference between the two, there was arbitrage. If any of you have done stock manipulation before, which I hope Ar- neither of you arbitrage. have done stock manipulation. Uh, were you a cop? Nope. I'm not. Who's I'm asking? Not, I'm not the securities police. Yeah, what the hell, Carl? I know. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this article goes on to say, I love this. The primary challenge for all new cryptocurrencies is to create reasons for people to buy them. <laughs> it's like, no, duh. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, so they, they were worth $60 billion at one point. Uh, let's see, Bitcoin and a bunch of other places promised to buy a whole bunch from Terra. So uh, where are they now? Where, where are these stable coins now? Are they dead? I, are they in the crater? Had, just about to get to that because some critics okay. said that someone some called these stable coins a, a new form of ponzi scheme what what i know but didn't like the creator of terror or whatever like just immediately go to try to start a new thing as soon as it crashed uh yes yeah he's just printing more money yeah they were talking about how the peg to the their other currency so you know they had this they had this one and they had the other where you can tr- create ar- arbitrage that the peg to the other currency without its own resulting peg to anything else would only work if people believed that they would keep their value and they would only keep their value if more and more people bought them. Do you see where this is going? People stop buying. Yep. If demand for either the stable coin or the arbitrage coin fell, the value of both could evaporate in what is known as a death spiral. And then immediately the next headline of this article is, what happened? A death spiral. <laughs> so it just, it decoupled from this peg and a large amount was withdrawn from the exchange that was talking about, you know, the, with the exchange where they're trading the stable coin. 
and they were trying to prepare all these new liquidity pools. Uh, apparently, one unknown user exchanged roughly $84 million of the stablecoin for uh, another currency uh, known as USD coin. Too many cryptocurrencies. That's that's the one stablecoin that I'm aware of was USD coin because there was an online betting market that used it. Yes. Uh, Let's see. So more of the TerraCoin people then withdrew their stablecoins from their platform. A flood of transactions knocked the TerraCoin off its $1 peg. And then they had the equivalent of a bank run where everyone was trying to pull all their money out of the, of the stable coin. It's just like a real, just like a real financial market. Like a real, like a real financial market. Yes. Yeah. There's the massive UST withdrawals led to a vast expansion of the supply of Luna driving down its value. So the arbitrage coin no longer worked with the stable coin. And then it spent almost all of it. I love this. The Terra spent almost all of its Bitcoin reserves in an attempt to save the peg by different trading strategies, including selling Bitcoin for U.S. dollars. Here's something real fun. I just noticed is like, you know, where are they today? You know, where are these child stars now? You know, where you'll never believe what this actor happened to this actor when they retired. Uh, Terra is no longer Terra. It is Terra Classic. I guess it's made with real sugar or something and and extra cocaine. But the current coin Terra is the revamp relaunch project. And hell it's up uh, 0.99% in the last 24 hours, man. We can, that's just a day. Get a percent a day. Yep. A lot of money. Collapsed stable coin Terra to be rebooted in an attempt to recover losses. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so apparently this also caused a crash in the whole cryptocurrency sector because that link between the different types of cryptocurrencies was broken. And so then no one knew the value of all their cryptocurrencies. And so that crashed the market. And it's I think right. they figured it out, which is the value of your digital money is worthless. Pretty much. And unless, you know, you decide to exchange it for real dollars. Yeah, at least you can like burn real dollars in the fireplace if you need to. Oh, or wallpaper yeah. your house like they did with Deutschmarks in the 30s. But you can't wallpaper your house with cryptocurrency. That's a lot of USB drives. That is a lot of USB drives. A lot of, a lot of hard drives. Oh my goodness. Wow. So final thoughts on on the great crypto crypto crash and the TerraPeg? I do have the perfect follow-up to this though because it's kind of in the same thing of things just completely and suddenly happening. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, folks, have you ever wondered what to do with a large animal carcass? No? Okay, fine. Uh, apparently, you know. I mean, Carl knows. talked about before the show. Uh, the USDA has a plan with diagrams on obliterating animal carcasses with explosives. The two diagrams are show you how to lay a whole box of dynamite on a horse and away it goes they're helpful oh i mean i'm sure it's a great option where, where you're going to do a haul one out in the middle of nowhere and you know it's a lot of effort and there's some there's some nice little notes at the end just sort of like you know helpful tips <laughs> carcasses that have been partially obliterated will generally not show any trace of existence the next day 
Yeah. No, the, the phrasing on, on these things are just sort of like, ah, whatever, you know, we're just blowing up. Blowing up. It makes a little sense because, like, think about it. Like, if a horse, like, breaks a leg, you have to um, shoot. Like, you just have to put it down. Right. It's the only thing to do. Like, what happens when it just breaks a leg in the middle of nowhere? Right. Like, what do you do with the carcass? You blow it up. And if you need further information on using explosives for animal removal, no, they didn't say animal carcass removal, contact a blaster on your forest. Oh, that's got to be with the Forest Service. And they type out that to tisk, 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 feds. Or Jim Tour at the Missoula Technology and Development Center. Can you imagine being the one guy specifically named in a manual for blowing up animal carcasses? I mean, we already saw, if you remember our our Thanksgiving episode, we had talked about how there was that one guy who wrote the report for tur- on turkeys. Yes. So I, I mean, I also want to be. I also want to be the guy. I want to meet the guy who writes the turkey report, and I also want to meet the guy who writes the blowing up animal carcasses. Do they have a, an abstract at all saying why they had to publish this? Or maybe why, why not? Helpful? I uh, sure again just because it's like somewhat common because I think like, my best my best friend owns horses like one of her horses um like broke a leg and had to be put down but sure like didn't happen while it was on its like main the main property they normally keep it at so Carl I know I know you're from a really I know you're from a real really urban state and you don't have a lot of experience with most of the rest of the country but there's a lot of wide open spaces out there still. Like if you're just if you're you. to like on the middle of a trail somewhere, yeah. So just... yeah, I'm just gonna come across a bear, and I'm just gonna be like, you know what? It's dead. It's blocking my trail. I'm just gonna whip out the C4 that I have in my backpack, and I'm just gonna stick it on I'll its carcass. The Forest Service just... to take care of it. Okay. No, no, what no. Explo- you gotta handle that right here, right now. What explosives do they advertise that you use for blowing up animal carcasses? Well, I'm looking at that. I will say it's got to be dynamite, but horseshoes should be removed to minimize dangerous flying debris. Well, duh, duh. (laughs) You know, you know, for a damn fact, someone is going to not do that. Be like, ah, what the hell? Yeah. You know what? That is true. You do have to specify that. I, I, you know what? That's on me. I set the bar too high. Oh yeah. Stick powder, linear explosives, quote unquote. Linear explosives. How... So, like, does an RPG count as a linear explosive? No, they're talking, like, stick, dynamite. Yeah. And then use more explosives than shown in the examples on larger animals, like moose, especially if total obliteration is desired. Hey! It makes sense. No, it does. No! Why am I trying to go for total obliteration of carcasses? I just, no, no, just total obliteration. If it's not totally obliterated, then you have large chunks of carcass just sitting Why out. am That's I trying to create large chunks in the first place? You're, you're trying to avoid the large Tobin, chunks. you're trying to explain something to a city slicker here. Oh my god, Morgan! <laughs> 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 uh, You've heard about the whale, right? The whale incident. I have. Oh, yes. I have heard Everyone's heard about the whale. Yeah. So Everyone's seen the whale. They That was obviously a fail. But, like, at the end of it, there were still large chunks, yeah. right? 
you don't want those large chunks just sitting around. They had to take care of it. I don't know how they did it with the whale, but just the same with animals, with like animals in the forest. There are natural, there are natural predators who will take care of that for you. No, you're thinking of scavengers. Yes. Not yes, all predators. But are what happens if it's at a forest service campsite? Just let the scavengers take care of it. Dynamite. More can get sick. Uh, Hell yeah. The scavengers aren't always fast enough, and then it rots, and then you have disease, and you need, and then you've got diseased animals, and you've got all kinds of problems. Well, it's not my problem because I've left the National Forest Service by then. I'm probably back in town. Uh, Carl, 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 we'll we'll start you off slow at like a petting zoo or something. Uh, You want me to blow up petting zoo animals? (laughs) No! 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 Jesus! Oh my god. Hey, little Billy. Happy birthday. <laughs> I was thinking more about an introduction to wildlife. But, <sighs> but you know what? Sure. Uh, it's called the Tiger King. No! Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> It can't be undone, no matter how much you you stare into the bottom of your coffee mug, looking I, for answers that'll never come. The only answer that I see is more coffee. There you go, perfect. Oh my goodness, it's just like the old days, except with twice the animal violence. Cover everything. Wow, we did. Not much happened. Yeah, nothing happened in the last five months. Just a small invasion. I don't know what you're talking about. And to be fair, like this this uh, this manual for blowing uh, critter carcasses up did come out in 1995, so we are Wait. a little late. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, what about it? Why are we reporting on things that happened in 1995? Oh, because I just learned I just learned about it, Carl, and we have to know these things. Uh... Uh, I thought this was something that came out in the in the months in which we were gone, and you're telling me that you that I was deceived, that I that in fact that they've probably come out with an updated one. It was reported from like in Task and Purpose and Discover Magazine, and you know, you're talking about a report, Morgan, that was written probably before Tobin was born and when I was one. I'm very sad about this. Wait, okay, so the other other question I have is they haven't updated this report since then? What what else are you going to do? I don't know, come up with safer disposal methods. Like, what, you're going to, like, call, like, the hospital, like, airlift to come and get it? I mean, if I blow up myself trying to blow up an animal, then probably, but... Well, make sure you do the smart thing and remove the horseshoes. And you should be okay. Uh, I have not been able to find out if you can still order this book from the USDA, but I am looking, and... I'll let you... you, What? There's a Colorado Public Radio report. And this is from 2012. Oh, okay, that's okay. Well, that's a little bit um, more recent. In Aspen, where they had to get rid of six frozen dead cows. Wow. 
Interesting. See, Carl? Frozen dead cows. That just makes me sad. Oh, except in this case, they didn't use explosives. Ha! Um, no, hold on. The cows apparently wandered over in the winter and got stuck. The crew will cut up the cows by hand and toss the pieces in the forest. The other option they'd considered was explosives. What a bunch of cowards. <laughs> you think a bunch of guys are going to be like, you know what we're, you know what we're not going to do? Use explosives. Idiots. Uh, oh, what a good time. Man. That's Here crazy. I go, blowing up cow carcasses again. Yes. Yeah, but don't worry. The guy that took care of this had just recently blown up a horse. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. The, no, no, no qualifiers to that. Just I recently blew up a horse. Here are my credentials. And you want to put the explosive charges on the major bones of the body along the spine. Ugh. And these are some of the best practices in carcass obliteration. Best it's practices in carcass obliteration. Is there a national conference, like an annual meeting for car <laughs> for carcass obliteration? Oh my goodness! Is there is there a like a like a state like licensing board for that? I like not just for using explosives, but like specifically using them for animal carcasses. Got it. The guy is known as a master blaster. No, no, no. <laughs> this segment's done. It's it. We're, we're canceling it. We're, can we're canceling everything. Roll it up. Roll it up. We're out of here. Uh, All right. Okay. Carl hates puns. It, it can't be undone, Carl. It's the theme of the episode is that these things cannot be undone. Hey, y'all. Morgan here. Give us a review on iTunes for the show. It's the classic way to help podcasts that you enjoy to get more listeners. Otherwise, the show will languish in obscurity, and you wouldn't want that to happen to old Uncle Good Faith Pod, would you? We've already got one. It's five stars from J. Jenna Jameson. Quote, I enjoy this podcast. Carl and Morgan are fun to listen to. End quote. Well, Jenna, flattery, flattery charges our batteries. Hey, do you have a story that we absolutely need to cover? Are you stuck in an Anne Randy and apocalyptic world worried about socialist rain? Just want to complain about your neighbor that keeps putting their pizza boxes in the recycling bin when you know damn well that the whole batch is getting thrown out? You can email us at goodfaithpod at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 980-263-9841. Really? 